subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod's blogs community at tripods.com. Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. Hello, and thank you for listening to Tripod Talk Radio. This is Saturday, April 19th, 2014, and today we have the dog food dude with us to talk about how we can feed our dogs and ourselves more natural and nutrition foods. Rick Woodford is author of Feed Your Best Friend Better, Easy, Nutritious Meals and Treats for Dogs. We're going to discuss his approach to healthy eating and the results he's seen from his recipes featured in his book. Call in with your questions to 646 716-5450, or join us in the live chat room at tripods.com slash chat. Rick, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is great, Jim and Renee. Hey, Rick, it's Renee here. Just uh, just, uh, looking at your book, I'm flipping through it right now, and and it is just so much fun. If I I didn't know it was a dog food cookbook, I would swear that it was one of mine <laughs> for people mm-hmm. because there's some good stuff in here. Thank you. I, and the thing is, I really wanted it to be a book that was easy for people to use, that was familiar. But um, I also want to make sure that it was easier than a cookbook for us because dogs come in so many different mm-hmm. sizes. So I had to make sure that every recipe, every cookie, meal, um, treat, what even snack um, had feeding guidelines for every size dog. So I try to make it easy. It does. I mean, I, I was flipping through the um, the puppy chapter in the back, and you even talk about you know how to feed a growing puppy with home cooked food, and um, I love it because w- one of the reasons I, I love it is is that it really introduced me to the concept of making a meal that my dog and I can both eat. That that was in- entirely new to me. I've seen tons of dog food recipes, um, but they're usually filled with really nasty bits that I would never personally want to <laughs> put on my plate. But you've got some really gourmet stuff in there. I, I really have to hand it to you. It's great. Well, I, tr- I try not to make it too gourmet. I really think of it as gourmet. Um, so that it, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, to me, it's just the fact that it's food. And um, we, well, we can't often share the exact same meal. I think that it's great if we can mm-hmm. share a lot of those same foods with our dogs. Yeah, what's really nice is that it's just, um, it takes such a, a whole foods approach to eating. I mean, the ingredients are so simple and um, really, really encourage people to go uh, get this book, Feed Your Best Friend Better. Um, I want to back up a little bit and, and introduce you and, and Jackson and, and how, tell us, how did you get inspired to learn about home cooking for dogs? Well, I didn't really start out on this course. When I first got Jackson, I had him for five years, and um, the most I would really ever give him was a small piece of cheese. Otherwise, he was just eating commercial food. Um, I, I, I was so unknowledgeable about this whole thing that I was actually feeding him grapes. 
Um, and like I was, be- I was like, come on, try it, try it. And then later on, I find out how dangerous grapes are for dogs. Um, mm-hmm. So Jackson was diagnosed with lymphoma, and oh. he and he'd also been a, a, a refrigerator burglar and trash burglar. So um, <laughs> I knew that he liked real food, but then when he um, he was diagnosed with lymphoma. And, he he was giving up and uh, not moving, not getting out of his bed. I would have to like take Aww. carry this eighty pound dog outside to get him to go to the bathroom. Um, wasn't eating, and so I said, "Okay, buddy, if you're going out, you're going out in style." And I started mm-hmm. just doing anything I could to get him back into the bowl. And I was I was really throwing stuff together, not knowing what I was doing. But I did notice that the more I fed him, the more he wanted to eat, and the more he ate, the more he active he was. So I started, and we had him on a good chemotherapy protocol as well, but then I he started getting fat again, and I realized I didn't know what I was doing. So I did what I normally do, and I'm confused with a lot of information I don't know. I, I built a database that compares the nutritional needs of dogs to what's in food. Um, so I could oh, wow. kind of fine-tune what I needed to do for him. Then I started studying and found out, oh, dogs with lymphoma do so much better on with the diets with fish and a high-protein, high-fat diet, low-carbohydrate. So I did that for him. And um, he had a nine-month diagnosis, and they said, you know, he's got nine months at the most. It's pretty bad. And uh, after 18 months, we went in for a checkup. Oh, and the, but the oncologist said to us, I never get to tell people. This is one of the best moments of my entire life. She said, I never get to tell people this, but you don't need to bring them back. She goes, I don't know what it is. And I said, it's the food. And she goes, no, it couldn't be. You don't, you don't know what you're doing. And I said, no, you don't know what I'm doing. I do this like you would want me to do it. And um, so then I, I kind of thought, you know what? I want to make dog food. I want to help other dogs. Um, and so I um, quit my job, started up a dog food company. and uh, oh, wow. I became known in Portland for feeding sick dogs and people. And there was another company that was doing kind of really gourmet kind of noodle pasta dishes and um, something like burritos for dogs. I'm like, how does a dog eat a burrito? Um, So, so, but mine was really about nutrition and it was everything kind of looked like a casserole um, or a mush kind of thing. But I mean, it wasn't, Uh it wasn't really gourmet and, but it was, I was very focused on nutrition. I was adding vitamins and mineral blends to it that I specifically created. And um, people would come up to me and they'd say, How did, can, you teach a dog, can you feed a dog with uh, kidney disease or heart disease or diabetes? And somebody said, can you feed a dog with one quarter the size of a normal liver? And okay. I, I always said, no, I can't. But if you give me three weeks, I will figure it out. And um, the dogs uh-huh. who were on my food did fantastic um, and so I just, it was my passion and, you know, we kind of come about this recession thing and I, I never lost customers, but I couldn't keep up. I kind of couldn't keep up with the demand. I'm not a very efficient in the kitchen myself. Um, so I thought, you know what, I got to make this easier. I got to find a way to get this information out to people. So that's why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jackson actually, instead of living nine months, he lived four years cancer free. So, oh my uh, gosh, that's wonderful. He passed away um, two years before the book was published, but and people are like, "Oh, you know, it's so bad," and I'm like, "No, you don't know. It's really a good thing because I got four, I got three extra years with my best friend." So for yeah. me, it was, it's a story that ends on a good note. Plus, I know that it's helping so many other dogs and people, um, and so I feel really happy about it. Oh, you should. Oh my gosh, talk about carrying on his legacy. I mean, that that is a gift to so many people. 
And that, you know, every, awesome. every every dog ages well before we want them to. And every dog mm-hmm. will develop some type of disease. Unfortunately, 50% of the dogs in right now over the age of 10 will develop cancer. And so my yep. goal is to stave that off as long as possible and get people to start incorporating real foods that can help prevent cancer. Um, you know, even a smidge of things can actually help. And the reason why I called the book Feed Your Best Friend Better is I want people to decide for themselves what better means for them. Is it just mm-hmm. a treat? Is it is it some snacks off the cutting board? Is it a meal? Or is it, do you need extra nutrition with a warm nose meal? Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's as little or as much as you want to do. But the more you do it, the better it is for your dog. Oh, I agree. Any any little move you can make away from a, a commercial kibble diet is so beneficial. We saw that in our own dog, Jerry, when he got cancer. And um, he lived two years. And, I, you know, I don't know if it was because of the food or not, but he did great. And he ate really well. He had a very well, uh, well-made diet. Um, there's a... There's so much to learn. You know, you're talking about how, you, you know, if people could ask you if you could uh, feed a dog with kidney disease or, or liver disease or whatever, and you went out and did this research. Um, tell me, since you're not a, a nutritionist or a vet, and I, I'm sure you get this question all the time, um, how how can you reassure us that the the research that you've done and the information that, that you provide in the book is is sound nutritional advice. And and the only reason I say that is because there's so much bad information out there on the web. Um, it's just uh, how can you ensure your readers that, that these recipes are going to give their dog good nutrition during all life stages, whether or not they're, they have some kind of illness they're dealing with? Well, there's two different ways that I can kind of back up my philosophy here. Um, one, mm-hmm. I use the National Research Council's uh, recommended daily allowances. Um, AFCO that does all the commercial foods, they use minimums. I use what your dog should actually be getting as my mm-hmm. standard. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I, I, all the recipes have been formulated with a database that I specifically created to, to mirror um, the USDA's information on food and compare, compare it with the National Research Council's recommendations on nutrient requirements. Um, now, there are some – I mean, there are some – recipes in the book that have more protein than others and I really leave it for people to decide which ones they want to do and which ones they feel comfortable with and I give them the information by doing that at my website dogfooddo.com um, you can go to the website and there's a button called analysis and you can get a free recipe and a nutritional analysis for any recipe that's in the book including the cookies cool. Um, and that was very important for me to do because I wanted to make sure that if people wanted to have that conversation with their veterinarian, this is a place where you go to do it. Now, there's only one thing I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. No meal on its own can satisfy every single nutrient requirement. It's, I mean, it's impossible to come up with a complete yeah. blend based just on food. So you have to do the same thing that you and I would do for ourselves. You have to supplement somehow. Um, and my favorite way to do that is supplement stew, and I have this goopy stew stuff that you just mix into a final <laughs> batch, and it's got all sorts of good stuff like yogurt, um, apple cider vinegar, um, salmon oil or fish uh, fish oil, uh, kelp powder, and there are things that with, and including one a day men's vitamins because you crush those up and it helps round out everything else, and some nutritional yeast, mm-hmm. and that specific blend actually helps balance out every single meal in the book. 
Oh, how cool! And and so this this is in the book, right? Because I'm. Oh yeah, it's one of my. It's, it is like the centerpiece. It's page eleven, twelve, or thirteen, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't that is that is like the centerpiece of why my meals are so good is because it does that. And you know, I do supplements too, probably half of the time. Um, I also mm-hmm. use supplement with um, commercial. I do use commercial food. I use a mix and I leave it for people to decide what, I mean, to me, half and half is the best of both worlds because you really don't have to use supplements. Um, most commercial uh-huh. foods are heavily supplemented between two and 600% of what a dog needs. So if you're oh, only giving them half of that commercial food, you're going to, and I've, I know that by analyzing the ingredients and the nutritional analysis from over 300 different foods. Um, but wow. If you if you if you bring that two to six hundred percent down to one to three hundred percent by feeding them half, you're still going to give them what they need, and you're going to bring in all the goodness in whole foods. And for me, that's not just vitamins and minerals and proteins and stuff like that. It's for me the most important things are phytochemicals and antioxidants. If your dog's not mm-hmm. getting those, they can't stave off long-term disease. Vitamins, vitamins and minerals keep your body functioning, keep it going. But it's the antioxidants and phytochemicals yeah. that determine your long-term health. Just the same for you and me and our dogs and everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm looking at the supplement stew recipe right here, and it looks fantastic. It's um, not I, delicious, I, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I like it. The ingredients inside. It's, I mean, you know, kelp powder, yogurt, apple cider vinegar, salmon, or cod, cod liver oil. I can, you know, I won't try it, but... Um, I do have a, a quick question for you. Um, well, okay. one of our members does. She's in the chat right now. And actually, she, this, she's the one, uh, Katie Jackson's mom, who posted the other question. Her first question is, um, the uh, nutritional analysis database that you referred to, is that publicly available somewhere? My database? Yes. No, it's not. Um, okay. It's a little complicated to use. Um, I actually have partnered with a couple other people who do nutritional analysis for animals, and um, they're using my database as well. But it's not something that I would make it easily available to the um, public because it, it, there is a lot of technical stuff. And I work in sure. finance as a data anal- data analyst. Um, uh, so okay. I'm used to doing this kind of stuff, but I just think that people it would be a little bit difficult for people to use. I hear you. I mean, if it's anything like looking at the pet food labels um, that make me go cross-eyed, I <laughs> I totally understand. Although I have a feeling Katie might be contacting you. She's a she's a researcher. <laughs> um, All right. She, she does work with stuff like this. But let me let's jump to her question really quick. Um, Katie has Jackson, who who is just she, he's an amazing cancer survivor, and her uh, her question is a little bit long, so I'm going to start reading it. Um, Jackson has. How do you say this? Struvite crystals in his urine. urine. Yeah, and um, he's been getting loads of fruits and veggies. And let's see. Um, Oh, boy. Um, I... it's, and it sounds like it sounds like she's concerned about um, having so many vegetables in her diet. Can I paraphrase it, if I may? Yes, please. Um, she's concerned that having so many veggies in the diet and fruits and vegetables often can cause an alkaline em- environment in the body. Um, if that's cause, helping cause these struvite crystals, because the more acidic your urine is, the better it is to prevent the struvite crystals from forming. Um, uh-huh. And what got her, she said he's been getting loads of fruits and veggies. Um, uh-huh. Loads causes me a, a little bit of concern. 
Um, I would say probably not do loads. Um, I like to do a mix. The best thing you can give your dog is going to be meat. Um, and everybody's always afraid of grains. I'm like, don't be afraid of grains. Just cook them well um, so that they're easily digested. Dogs can have some grains. You just don't want a dog eating 95% of their diet being grains. Um, right. And then, you know, keep the keep the fruits and veggies around between 25 and 30%. Don't really go crazy on it. Um, but then there's things you can include, like blueberries are really good for helping uh, present, prevent uh, the struvite crystals as well. Just, cranberries are probably the best and well-known, um, but blueberries can also be really good. Um, some of the grains that, like... Um, Using things like even things like amaranth or quinoa or um, oatmeal that can also help create a more acidic environment in the dog's body, um, and of course meat is really good for that as well. Um, I would okay. say Thank don't you. go crazy. I mean, and, and everything should always be in moderation. Never go crazy, and always work sl- do things slowly to see how it works for your dog. Mm-hmm. And and how do you give dogs? Berries? Do you um, cook them? Do you give them raw? There is a Okay, so the best way to give a a berry to a dog is frozen because they think they don't even notice how it tastes because it's cold and they don't really smell it as much when it's frozen. Um, So they'll try (laughs) it out. Um, Also, for things like berries, splitting them, cutting them in half is really good because a lot of dogs don't like to bite down on that skin that has that little bit of resistance to it, and so. If you cut it in half, then they don't really feel that as much. Um, I usually give it so they bite down into the cut side. Um, But then there's also a great recipe in the book for a cookie I call Blueberry Moons. I love that cookie. It might stain your hands just a tiny bit while you're making it. <laughs> I'm looking at that recipe right now. That looks But it's a good really it's good. a good little there and to me that's that the reason why I do cookies like that is cuz I'm like I want to get something into your dog's diet. Um mm-hmm. I read another really interesting thing about blueberries yesterday. Uh, cranberries I think would be really hard to give to a dog because they're so tart. Um yeah. But you might you might put those into a cookie. That would be a good way to give them. I mean, you could almost do um maybe like I'm guessing here. So, Katie, we'll talk. We'll maybe experiment a little bit. Um, uh, half a cup of cranberries, a really ripe banana, and some oatmeal in a blender or in a, a food processor. And I think that might create kind of a little bit of dough, maybe add a little bit of water. And that yeah. would give them a little sweetness, um, but it's also going to get those cranberries in the diet. I'm going to try oh, that right now. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my gosh. Do you think you'll ever get back to uh, commercial cooking again and, and starting your own um, uh, home-cooked dog food company? Um, I really want to. It's it's. Yeah. I, I really have to tell you, I know a lot of people out there are doing dog food. I don't think anybody can do it as well as I can, uh, and I'm not being like – all about I myself, like but I, like I really, really no. studied, and and I really, and yeah. I really, really cared. So, my my program was very specific. I delivered the food, I portioned it out for people, so that you never had to worry about if you were going to overfeed or underfeed. And uh, I checked consistently on my customers to see how their dogs were doing. I adjusted their weights. I learned by feeding so many dogs and keeping records about everything, how how much how to adjust my diets. 
And so my calorie recommendations in the book are about 10% lower than most people would recommend because I don't want your dog getting fat. It would, I could sell you more food, but I'd rather keep your dog around for a few more years. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, well, it is. You, I mean, it ever... is my dream to return to dog food. I hope you will. I hope you will. You just don't want me in the kitchen. <laughs> okay. No, you can just deliver the food to us. That, that's plenty. Um, you know, when it when it comes to home cooking, I mean, I know I've tried it for our, our German Shepherd, and he's 80 pounds, and it was incredibly overwhelming to try to do it myself. So I can definitely appreciate a, a business like that and, and the work that goes into it. Um, if people take your cookbook and they start cooking for their dogs, what can they what can they expect as far as the time they spend in the kitchen and the uh cost and and that sort of thing what how can you kind of better prepare people to make this switch well and one thing i really want to think i hear the cost thing a lot and mm-hmm. yep you guess what it's going to be more than that big bag of dry food however mm-hmm. you're going to spend less money overall on your dog's health care it if Very you have something like cancer, treating cancer is so expensive. Um, treating kidney disease is expensive. If your dog gets diabetes, it's almost it can be upwards of a hundred dollars a month, and I know from experience. Oh my gosh! It's you. You don't want to have these illnesses that are caused basically by what your dog's eating, and mm-hmm. so it does cost more. But it's going to save day to week to week. It'll cost more, but. In the end, it will save you money. And there's even an example in the book about how it would save you money. Um, I have to find it while I'm talking. Uh, But as far as ease, now, most books will say, oh, and this makes enough for a 30-pound dog for one meal. Mm -hmm. I think that is ridiculous. So all (laughs) all of my recipes are really easy. They make 12 cups of food. You could always half it if you want to. But they make they make a sizable part. A lot of them are done in a slow cooker. The most of them, mm-hmm. other ones can be done adapted to be a slow cooker, and they're very familiar foods that you're probably buying in the grocery store already. So you just have to add a little bit more on your shopping list. It's it, it is much easier than people think it is. And the other thing is, make it a couple times, and you'll learn, and and you will have a system. And most people say, oh, my God, we do production day where it's dog food and we make food and we freeze it for a month. And yeah. Most people get a system. And my thing about that is, well, you know, bring in a little bit of uh, variety every now and then, too. Don't just always have the, be the same thing because the body thrives on having a variety of different sources of nutrition. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine eating the same thing day in and day out, and, and we do that to our dogs with, with a commercial diet. It's it's really sad. Um, I, uh, I'm i wondering, um, what are what are some of the challenges people might face um, in their dog's health as far as, you know, how much they're pooping, or I have a dog with a really sensitive belly. Um, when I home cooked for him, uh, boy, it, he was a mess. And I'm just wondering, um, what are some common situations that, that people run into and how can they fix them? I think the biggest problem you will you will have is enthusiasm by the people <laughs> because they rush it. Oh, he really likes uh-huh. it. Let's give him more. And, and I'm always saying, no, you have to go slow. And no matter what you do when you introduce new foods to your dogs, 
my number one thing I always say is start with teaspoons and tablespoons, not cups and handfuls. Give your dog a little bit, see how it works. If that works, give a little bit more. If that works, you can give a little bit more. Not the same day. Go a couple days, see how it's going. Um, Always go slowly, especially dogs who have been raised. Most of our dogs in this country have been raised on commercial food. And so su- mm-hmm. suddenly surprising them with homemade food and something's totally different that that makes their stomach work a little bit harder to to digest because it's not just going mean, to commercial food you put in a glass of water and it just instantly dissolves. This does make the stomach yeah. work a little bit, which is really really good. And you you need to give a dog time to adjust to that. So always always start slow. And if your dog starts having a little bit of diarrhea, a loose stool, keep that plain cam pumpkin on hand because a big scoop of that can always bring dogs back to center. Yeah, my dog loves it too. <laughs> yeah, it's got that, that musty smell. Yeah. It, it, and it's good for them. It's very low in calories. I love cam pumpkin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's handy to have around for sure. Um, I, I'm wondering if somebody wants to go back and forth between a commercial kibble diet and home cooking, is is that possible? Is it even advisable to give yes. a, a half and half diet? Totally advise it. Half and half. I love cool. it. Um, just pick out a good good brand of dog food. And to do that, I always go to dogfoodadvisor.com. They have a really oh, good yeah, rating system. Um, mm-hmm. But pick out a good brand. And, yeah, yeah just go back and forth. It's my, it, the, Keeping half of the diet consistent with the commercial food is great because it keeps things consistent, and then it gives you the ability to move things in and out, different fresh foods as you kind of see fit or as you have time. Um, and, you know, most people think, oh, I have to just have half of this dry food and half of this commercial food at the same time. No, no, no. Just, you know, give them you – know, one meal can be fresh. The next meal can be dry. It's, you know, mix it up a little bit for them. That's really good to know. That's that's really good to know. I didn't I didn't think that was a good idea, but I'm glad to hear that. Um, no, it's, so it's even better. Call in. Yeah, well, I'm sure they think so too. Um, if anybody wants to call in, we we have a couple minutes left. The number is six four six seven one six five four five zero. And you can also go to the Tripods chat room and ask your questions there at tripods.com/chat. Um, let's see. You know, I just I, I love I love this book, and like here's the recipe right here: slow cooked chicken and barley. I mean, that sounds like a just a great human dish to eat. It's got chicken, barley, green beans, carrots, tomatoes. Um, some of the ingredients in your your recipe really surprised me. I didn't know dogs could digest something like tomatoes or cinnamon, or I think you even have one with mushrooms, right? No, I don't have any mushrooms in the book. You don't have any mushrooms. Okay, I, I mushrooms. don't have any anyway. mushrooms. Um, mushrooms are good for med- medicinal when the, with holistic pr- practitioners often use, um, but right. g- generally I don't like to give mushrooms to dogs. Okay, is there a reason for that? Um, just some, a lot of dogs don't do it well, and some some dogs just I, there's a breed I can't remember what it is, but it doesn't deal well with mushrooms at all. Okay, so I kind good of, to know. I, I I did a lot of research about like okay what foods are safe. Tomatoes are great if they're in small amount small quantity. Um, they give your mm-hmm. dog a little lycopene kick. One of my favorite foods to introduce to dogs is uh, sardines in, packed in tomato sauce because they're not really? only a fish they get a little bit of lycopene. They love the taste. Um, and again, you always start slow, teaspoons and tablespoons. Right. 
Okay, because I was going to say, if I gave my my dog a whole pack of sardines, boy, I'd be paying for that for a week. Yeah, uh, so yeah but you <laughs> you always start slow, and like you don't give them the whole thing, okay. but like you know, a big for an eighty pound dog for a meal, I might mix in like two tablespoons of the sardines. That's good to know. You're not right. The whole can, not the whole can. Not the whole can. That's great. Um, what is the most surprising ingredient that you found that, that dogs do really well digesting? I, before I started all this, I, I would have said probably, I didn't really know much. I would have said pumpkin. I'm like, really? You can give dogs pumpkin and it's just miracle food? Um, mm-hmm. But then... Things like the fish are probably one of my most favorite things to give a dog. And the, my number one favorite food for a dog, number one, easiest, easiest food to prepare, a scrambled egg. Oh, yeah, it, yummy. It's the, one of the best foods you can give your dog. Nutritionally, it's one of the best things up. That is awesome. I Yeah, that's good to hear because Wyatt gets a lot, of, a lot of scrambled eggs. And let's see, we have about a minute left on the show. Um Real quick, Rick, what is your take on garlic and dogs? There's so much um, information about that. Garlic is safe as long as you don't do a a science experiment feeding a dog hundreds of uh, cloves of garlic every week. Um, (laughs) I have have it on my blog. I did a whole thing about garlic um, to say here's why garlic is safe. And I've checked it out with quite a few people um, in the veterinary community holistic veterinarians say it's okay. It's just that you don't overdose. Any, You can overdo anything. Anything, As, yeah. Good to hear. Thank you for that. Hey, I want to thank you for being our guest. You, it has been so much fun talking to you. We hope to have you back again. Well, thank you. Uh, I have another book coming out next year, so maybe we can come back. We look forward to that, Rick, and thanks once again for your time and great information. Listeners can learn all about your book, Feed Your Best Friend Better, at dogfooddude.com and read our book review at amazon.tripods.com Until next time, hear all Tripod Talk Radio podcasts at downloads.tripods.com Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast. True.